Welcome to Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage, the show that gives you a chance to hang with today's top contemporary jazz artists. I'm your host, Carl Brown. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode. Uh, We're really excited about this episode because today's guest is a Grammy nominee and a three-time NAACP Image Award winner. His first release, For All Eternity, came out in 2012. And in 2018, his first national release, Smooth Groove, debuted and yielded two top 30 songs, Inspiration and the title track, Smooth Groove. He followed that release up with Soul Mate in 2019, which yielded the top 10 hit Swing City. And in 2021, his release Donnie Duke and Wonder, uh, he released Donnie Duke and Wonder, um, and his most recent release is titled Love Languages. He is a keyboardist, a producer, a composer, and a multi-instrumentalist, Mr. Nathan Mitchell. Thanks for coming on today, man. Man, thank y'all for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, man, it's our pleasure to have you. Well, you have accomplished quite a bit in your career, and your career is really kind of just getting started in some way. So tell us how that musical journey has begun for you, started for you. Well, you know, it's been pretty, uh, it's been a pretty amazing journey from the time that I actually got into the smooth jazz industry. Mm-hmm. I've, I've been doing the music industry for over 30 years, mainly yeah. within gospel and R&B. But uh, I've just reached about 10 years, a full decade of actually being in the smooth jazz industry. And it's been very good for me, for my career. Just really, I came into the industry as a side guy playing for a lot of guys that are out here on the market, Mm -hmm. such as the Nick Coleons, Najee, Joaquin Joyner, Marcus Anderson, and the, uh, the list just goes on and on and on. But a couple of years ago, back in 2017, a door opened up for me to kind of branch out into the the field of me just being an artist. You know, yeah. I've released a couple of singles here and there, mm-hmm. such as the For All Eternity and uh, My Angel. But in 2017, it was kind of taking it a little bit more seriously to, to jump in as an artist. Yeah. And when I did that, it just, you know, the doors just opened up. That's great, and It's man. just been a journey since then. Yeah, that's fantastic. Good for you. I mean, and it's a... It's a leap of faith to go out and and do that and to kind of move genres as well as go out and say, hey, I'm going to I'm going to be the I want to be I want to be the artist that I want to be and produce my own music. So it's great to see you having the success that you're having, man. Right. Thank you so much. I appreciate that support. So, you know, you wear a lot of different hats. You know, that can be a challenging thing sometimes, you know, being a not just making your own music, but being a producer, being a composer, all those different things. How do you go about, you know, compartmentalizing those different roles that you have to play from time to time? I feel like they kind of work with each other. There's more titles attached to it than there is actually working components. You know, because walking into the doorway of music, whether it's producing music in the studio or actually producing a live presentation for artists for the for the main stage. Yeah. It all kind of works hand in hand. So I don't really feel like there's too much difference in it because, you know, uh, as a producer and even as a keyboardist and uh, a stage producer for live sound, yeah. it's all about what sounds good, what connects, what feels good, atmosphere, all of that. So the same presence that we take 
uh, on the stage is the same presence that I bring in the studio. When I'm playing for most, when I was playing for a lot of artists, I used to always tell them, you know, I want to feel like I'm producing. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're producing on stage for your music. I want it to gotcha. sound like myself. Okay, okay. That's cool. That's really cool. So how do you describe the music that you make, your music? How do you describe it? I feel like my music is just my expression. Yeah, okay. It expression. It expresses my mood. It ex- expresses my temperament. I will say I feel, you know, I had a, actually thought about this maybe couple of days ago uh-huh. but i feel like my music actually expresses and exposes my vulnerability that's cool i feel like you know i'm one of those those people as most men are i internalize a lot yeah yeah but when i'm playing that's the place that i'm gonna let it all out and just no walls no anything just this is how i feel this yeah. is who i am this is my heartbeat that's you know, cool. This is my soul in the music. You know, it's interesting you say that. You know, I, I've come to realize over over many many years of working closely with creative people that that's very true because oftentimes creative people are asked to create something from a blank canvas, and it's hard to do that without going deep inside of yourself. It's it's hard to do that with letting yourself come out and and be exposed to some degree, right? Yes, and every, totally. Every time you expose that, there's this this piece of you probably that's wondering. I know for me, there's this piece that's wondering. Okay, well, this is this is me. This is what I put out there. How is it going to be received, or 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 will people connect, or will people relate? So that's cool the way you put that. Yeah, it's funny. You know, when I even when I look at how my songs come about, mm-hmm. um, you know, I've talked to different producers and writers and artists and I talk to them about how they formulate songs and some of them, you know, we, we like certain feels and grooves and we'll set up a certain beat and then we'll just kind of write off of the beat yeah, or write off of the quote unquote, what we call BPM Mm -hmm. beats per minute. They write that way. For me, it's different. Okay. I, I can be taking a walk Uh and I'll just hear a a melody, (laughs) you know, or I could literally be, I could listen to a, a Babyface song or Luther Vandross song or, you know, uh, a gospel song, and I can hear something that is just like, wow. And then all of a sudden, it's kind of like I'll get a spinoff. Okay. I will get this this melodic spinoff from what I just heard. It connects to the feel, mm-hmm. but it's my own thing. So it's it's just a little different, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's all right. So you were nominated for a Grammy as producer and composer. Right? Yes. And for what project was that for? That was actually for a a new age project. Yeah. Over the course, and I actually was assisting um, an artist overseas with it. That that particular project was more so. It was more so kind of like uh, a, a project that was done over COVID. And my place on the project was more so just playing some keyboards. You know, he was actually, uh, they actually did more of the production side of it and all of those things of that nature. But it wasn't really, it's like I take, I'm very proud of what happened with it, but it was kind of like, hey, can you play some boards on this? Okay, okay, okay. (laughs) So it's kind of like, okay, cool. You know, uh, we did not win. Yeah. But, you know, and so, but I'm, I'm very proud of the accomplishments with that. Uh, my biggest, I think my biggest 
proud moments though actually come with the NAACP Image Awards. Yeah, those are actually my babies. Like yeah. those were those were born out of my spirit. Yeah, they were born out of my heartbeat, and those are the things that I really find a lot of pride in because, wow, you know, just to to be nominated three years consecutively. Yeah, for those projects that I release just out of my soul, it's a it's a great feeling. That is, that is. And I, I got to tell you, you know, like when you look at these awards in, in, in the space, whether it be a Grammy, NAACP Image Awards and others, like that doesn't happen very often where somebody is year after year after year being recognized for their work, you know? No, That's and it's rare. honestly, it's pretty interesting. And it does say a lot because the system, like, there's a system, you know, with I know with like a lot of the award nominations mm-hmm. where they're the people vote. Yeah. You know, so like if you're a part of the NAACP, the labels, they'll submit the music and the people, you know, that are the listening audience are the ones that vote and determine who's going to win this that category. Yeah. Well, for the, the jazz section of NAACP Image Awards, mm-hmm. there is no access for the public to vote Uh it's an internal voting uh system okay so there are people that we don't we have no clue who it is wow they're the ones that's voting so i mean i you could be a person that votes for all i know you know but at the end of the day to have to 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 be nominated three years straight and actually being nominated by people that are necessarily might not be your peers Mm mm-hmm you know, that's that's not a bad thing. Yeah, that's a pretty cool thing. No doubt about that. There's no doubt about that. So talk to me about the difference between being an artist who is supporting another artist and an artist who is the front person, who is the star, right? What's that? What's the difference like for you? There is. It's a difference of more mental of being up front. Mm-hmm. I'm so used to being in the background. I'm a person. I love being a role player. I love uh-huh. being a support person. You know, in pretty much everything I've done, primarily in life, I've been a supporting cast. Uh-huh. So it's actually easier for me to be a supporter. Okay. Okay. Than it is to be the front man. Yeah. You know, because I feel like I'm going through where being the supporting role as a keyboardist, drummer, bassist, whatever the case may be on whatever instrument, that's just easy. I got your back. Yeah. Let's do this. You up front. I'm holding you down while you're the face of of, of the brand. Uh-huh. But it's different because when I'm up front, it's like, okay, everyone's looking at me, you know, and it's it's a difference between performance, being a performer and musician. You have to have the right blend. And that's one of the things that I've been taking myself through school on by watching some greats. You know, one of the greatest examples I've had in being not just a musician, but a performer uh-huh. was Nick Coleone. We lost Nick this year. Yes. But I was blessed to tour with Nick for seven years. Yeah. You know, but Nick was the ideal example of a performer yeah. that's a great musician. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Brian Culberson. Great musician, amazing performer. He knows how to keep a crowd. He does. And that's one of the things that I've been really putting my energy into is trying to build my show around 
having something that if the audio was turned off, mm -hmm. you could still enjoy the show visually. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or you could actually hear the show visually, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. In fact, I will say that I think you probably are more accomplished at that than you're giving yourself credit for. Because I saw you, like I said, I saw you in Louisville and you were playing with Najee. Mm -hmm. And yes. there's, I know Najee allows, gives you guys all your time, right? And yes. you owned it. You, you were performing and you were a musician and a performer there. I, rem I still remember that show and that show was almost a year ago. So I still remember that show, right? And you guys, did, you guys all did a great, you and Freddie and Blair all did a great job. When you took the front stage, you guys were all performers, which was pretty cool to see. And, and, and you mentioned Nick uh, Colion. You know, we were fortunate enough to, we didn't, we were Nick's very last interview. Um, we had him on the show. He passed away just a couple weeks later. But that was one of the things that we talked about was just, you know, the art of, of doing the show and how, yeah, I remember talking to him about, you know, everything from his wardrobe to how he engaged with the, with the, with the audience. You know, he always talked, but that was part of his personality too. He was just a nice person. You know, I, I remember meeting him once in a hotel lobby. I didn't know him from Adam. We just started talking and got to know him, and he was just the nicest person. And so it's, it's great that you've had the opportunity to see up close and personal with, with people like that, and you can see it coming through in what you do. Nick was a very powerful component uh, of shaping the whole presence of artistry. Yeah. Um, just the energy that he brings to a stage, watching how people respond. Nick was funny on stage. He was. Nick, you know, Nick would pull at the heartstrings on stage. He was funky. Mm -hmm. It was like he could bring romance to the stage. Whatever the, the temperament is, yeah. the mode, the mood, Nick was that guy on stage. And so that's kind of been one of my, um, that really has been at the forefront of my learning curve in this industry is shaping myself to be an all-around entertainer and i really appreciate you know the affirmation that you just given me yeah. because even with the show with Najee's show you know even though we were a supporting cast to him i i just give him his flowers because yeah. Najee literally pr provided a platform amongst his fan base for us to to do our thing and for us to shine and have some light yeah, yeah. Well, you guys did your thing for sure because it was enjoyable. I, I, I still like I said, I still remember that show. Well, let's take a listen to some of your music, man. How about we play your song "Swing City"? Let's do it. All right. <laughs>
right, everybody, you just heard Nathan Mitchell's song, Swing City. So, Nathan, tell us a little bit about that song. What? Tell us a little bit about, about, about how that song came to be. Swing City, I mean, I am a lover of New Jack Swing music. Yeah. Uh, you know, if I could be put in a situation to become the Teddy Riley of Smooth <laughs> Jazz, I am all for it. There you go. So I wanted to I wanted to bring something that had a nice little swing feel to it, pretty melody to it that had like a nice groove that you could step to that you could just, you know, yeah. just feel a vibe to. And of course I wanted to add certain elements to the song, you know, with the with the live bass organ, just the atmospheric of the keyboards. But I remember, you know, when I was laying the song down, I was like, man, I got to get a feature artist for this song. Uh-huh. And at the time, she was just really breaking out. And I was blessed to get Jasmine Gent yes. as my uh, featured artist. And Jasmine came over to the studio and we laid it down, you know, as far as the, the, the music. She did an amazing job. And I mean, it was a it was an amazing journey because Swing City was one of my first top tens. Uh-huh, uh-huh. First top ten, and it was actually a number one as well on the uh, American media base. All right. You know, but Swing City was, yeah, That that's one of my grooves there. That's a great song. So do you remember the first time you heard one of your songs on the radio? I do. <laughs> what was that? Tell us about that. Uh, inspiration. Okay. It was off of my Smooth Groove album, and I w- actually the first time I heard it, was I released the song in 2017. I remember in uh, October, November 2017. The first time I heard it was on Brian Coberson's show. Okay. Brian had played it and was like, hey, this is one of my all-time favorite songs of the year. Uh, And he was like, this is a shout-out to my boy Nathan Mitchell. And he played it. Within, I think he was doing like a top 30 countdown or okay. something. Okay. For for uh, Sirius XM. Yeah. That was the first time I heard it. I That's mean, I was cool. running through the house. I, <laughs> I, I, I had I had Alexa connected up to all of the uh, surround sound uh-huh. and everything. It was it was crazy. That's awesome. It felt great. You it know, was I, I I can imagine that that never gets old, does it? You know what? It's always a blessing. To hear my music. In fact, it's funny because, you know, I get excited, but like my, my kids don't. My son, uh-huh. I'm like, oh, you know, EJ, hell, here's a song. Here's, oh, here's inspiration. Here's, here's Mina Mata. And his response, oh, I expect you to be on the radio. Uh-huh. You know, uh-huh. so he, he has very little <laughs> excitement. But I'm always like a kid in a candy store every time I hear something. That's something all right. That's all right. What, what for you is the most rewarding part of being a musician? I love seeing how it changes just the mood, the atmosphere of people. Like I've had people reach out to me and tell me how they've had some very uh, horrific and challenging days. I remember one, one lady, uh, I was at the Daytona jazz festival. I'll never okay. forget this Daytona jazz festival. And when I was at that particular festival, the lady was there. She had just dealt with uh, cancer in her family mm. I think it was with her mom or someone and there was a death that she had okay. and she ran into me into in the um, lobby. She did not know who I was. Hmm. I didn't know who she was. We just kind of smiley talked, and I told her my name, told her I was there for the festival. She left me, went, listened to my music, came to me, came to the show, heard me play afterwards, came to me in tears and was like, that's exactly what I need. Wow. 
That's amazing. You know, yeah. That's amazing. I think that's that's such a beautiful thing. I think that's one of the I've had those experiences myself where someone's music has been something that has gotten me through. You know what I mean? And it's I think there's so much power in what you guys do. There's so much um there's you know it's 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 sometimes it's power that you need, sometimes it's comfort that you need, sometimes it's grace that you need sometimes it's just a smile and the beauty of music is that it can take you on those journeys and it can be those things that you need at that point in time and right I, i had an artist say to me once that nothing matters more than when someone comes to them and tells them how their music connected with them yes that's a wonderful thing yes it is it's an amazing feeling yeah, yeah. So what would you say is the most challenging thing about being a musician? The most challenging thing, I don't think that I would say the challenges come with being a musician. Mm-hmm. You know, I think more of the challenges come with being an artist. Okay, okay. Explain that for you us. Know, well, you know, as an artist, as a smooth jazz artist, there there are a a collection of artists when you say smooth jazz mm-hmm. they automatically just pop to mind yeah peter white dave cause yeah. you know norman brown Gerald albright and the list goes on and on and on and on right and these guys provide a platform for us to stand on their shoulders mm-hmm. to shine you know but sometimes we run into some challenges where the promoters are uh timid or fearful to give us an opportunity to to get on the stage mm-hmm. You know, and of course, as talent buyers and promoters, the biggest thing that they want is they want a great performance. But their thing is to put people in seats because if people are in the seats, they're selling tickets, they're mm-hmm. making money and, and, and so and so and so on. Yeah. You know, so I think the biggest challenge, honestly, is having to go through the growing stages. Yeah. Of becoming established mm-hmm. to where promoters are willing to freely open their doors for us to be on their stage. Yeah. 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 You know, and it's, and it's something that, you know, it's, it's, uh, and I'm, it's definitely not a bash on anyone, but, Mm -hmm. but this is honestly how it is, you know, you know, you have to learn how to trust. You have to learn, okay, can the artist show up? Can they do the job? Can they, and you want, you, you know, there's a lot, there's artists that have great music, but they still need to work on their performance. There's some people that got great performances, but still got to work on their projects. Yeah. So my goal is, is to try to limit the amount of mistakes, limit the amount of challenges in my presentation and in my music, whether it's on vinyl uh, or streaming, whether it's on the stage so that the the promoters trust me to be on their stage. Yeah. Yeah. You raise a really, really good point because being a promoter myself, and not having been a promoter for a very long time, I know exactly what you mean. Because, like, yeah, there's that financial equation, right? Because as a promoter, you're 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 making an investment in a show, yes. and you don't know how that what your return is going to be until you start to see what those ticket sales are going to be like, right? Correct. At the same time, though, as a promoter, I think it's your responsibility. Like, I try not to to book anybody that I haven't seen. Right. Yes. So like that way I get to see and that that doesn't have to be the front person. Right. Mm -hmm. I've seen people like, um, you know, I've seen people who've not been the front person. I was like, oh, got to have that person 
because you see the energy they bring and you see how they handle their business, you know, when they're still a part of that, an act or something, right? Right. But you're right. It is. And I think one of the other things, though, too, is that as a promote as promoters, though, promoters have to have more of an open mind, too, in that, like, it's the, look, the Najis of the world are going to sell your tickets for sure. However, the audience wants to hear people who are up and coming and people who bring something new and different to the table, too. So as a promoter, it's your job to, to expose people to that as well, right? Right. I think that um, one of the greatest platforms that allow new artists mm-hmm. to show up and really show what they can do uh, was provided to us through COVID. Yeah, that's a great point. It became equal playing ground. Yeah. Because, yep. you know, the, the promoters for the COVID shows were the artists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we had the, it was equal playing ground where you had uh, a Rick Braun, a Nick Coleon, a Nathan Mitchell, a Adam Holly, a Marcus Anderson, Elon Trotman. It was equal playing ground across yep. the board. So, you know, that was a, a platform that allowed all of us to kind of step up to the plate to say, I exist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, I have a nice, I have a sound outside of my city. Hey, I know how to perform. Hey, I know how to play. You know, I know how to, I know how to do a dance move too. You know, it's just like, that was the, that was the place. And so really I'm starting to see a change in a mm-hmm. lot of the promotions games where a lot of the promoters are starting to give some of those artists that were upcoming prior to COVID, yeah. they're giving them more of a chance now because they saw the work they did during COVID. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so, and it's still a growing process. Yeah, but it's an important one, I think, and, I, and I'm, I'm glad you called that out because I think that, I do think that is important. I do think you make a really, really good point because you're right, you know, COVID did, did level the playing field to some because, you know, we were getting content one way and anybody could provide that content. So that was, that's a really, really good point. So, you talked about the fact that you started off in other genres and for the last 10 years or so have been in the smooth jazz genre. So what made you decide to move into the smooth jazz genre? I feel like, uh, and it's funny cause I get this question a lot, uh-huh. but it wasn't a matter of me deciding. Okay. I feel like it found me and chose. Gotcha. Because prior to my debut performance, in smooth jazz as a, a backing musician, um, actually was May of 2011. Okay. Rolling back the clock, I was actually doing a lot more gospel stuff. And, um, and at the time of me doing a lot of gospel, uh, productions, uh, I was still married at the time mm-hmm. and my wife was sick with a uh, very rare cancer and she passed away in September of 2010. Mm-hmm. Well, when she's passed away in 2010, I stopped playing. Okay. I didn't play anymore. I wasn't doing anything. Yeah. You know, I was, you know, probably playing the house on the keyboard. But as far as trying to take the any production work or any of that stuff, I just was not doing it. Yeah. And I got a phone call uh, from a friend of mine who was already in the industry as a established drummer to play for a concert that was taking place in South Florida. Okay. The concert was with Marcus Anderson and Will Donato. Okay. And I actually told him no a couple uh-huh. times. Okay. So then, of course, you know, him being like a little brother, he called yeah. me. He was like, man, listen, I really need you. Um, we just need to help. And I decided to do it. Okay. When I did that show, 
it was probably the best decision I made because yeah. it allowed me to release all those bottled up emotions. Yeah. Musically, I mean, literally tears were streaming that night. Yeah. With some of the music that was playing, it was funky. It was just like it was just all every emotion that I had. Yeah. Came out and and it actually aided in the process of helping me grieve. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. From that particular show, you know, uh, I believe it was Will or Marcus. One of them went back to the management and they told their manager and the booking agent about me and that show. The booking agent called me and was like, hey, I have a, a roster of different artists. We're going to need a keyboard player. Are you open to the idea? Mm -hmm. So I told him yes. And next thing you know, I started playing for multiple artists. And it's funny because I didn't know anything about smooth jazz. Only uh -huh. thing I knew was Norman Brown and Najee yeah. and certain people like that. So I would get a phone call. It's like, hey, you know, we need to get a keyboard player for uh, Joaquin Joyner. So uh -huh. I would call one of my friends like, who is that? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, or hey, you know, we got Brian Simpson. He needs another keyboard player. I'm like, uh -huh. who is that? I didn't know. No, I didn't know anyone. Yeah. But it was it was like that's that's how I got into the industry. I was sitting home, got the phone call, took the call, played the one show, and it just and it just kept going from there. That's awesome. It was meant to be. Yes, it was clearly meant to be. You know, and you know, and sometimes and it's it's life is a crazy thing. How sometimes things, like you said, the perfect way you put it was perfect was that it found you. You know, yes, it found you at the time that 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 was the perfect time. That's cool. Yes. Yeah. Let's listen to your. Let's listen to another one of your songs. Let's. I think it's appropriate right now to listen to the song "Simply Beautiful" by Nathan Mayfield. Mitchell. Awesome.
again, that was our guest, Nathan Mitchell, with his song, Simply Beautiful. So, Nathan, we do this little game on every episode. It's called Bout It or Doubt It, okay? So if you're about it, it's something that you like, that you're feeling. If you doubt it, it's something you're not quite feeling. Can we twist your arm and get you to play? Let's do it. All right. I started yeah, this no body no body. No if you bought it, get them up. I mean you body body. I mean you body body. We say you body body. I represent. I doubt it. All right, Nathan, we're going to spin the wheel, and we're going to get you a category. Then we're going to ask you a couple of about it or doubt it questions. All right. All right, Nathan, your category is shopping. All right. (laughs) (laughs) About it or doubt it, Walmart. About it. About it. Okay. Tell me about your your Walmart thing, man. Man, Walmart is the go-to spot. Okay, okay, okay. Listen, Walmart has saved me on many <laughs> show dates. I've had to get batteries for my guitar. Uh-huh. I had to get batteries for this, that, and the other. Oh, man, I forgot my toothpaste at home. Oh, man, I forgot my brush. <laughs> oh, I lost the AirPod. Let me go pick up a quick quick new. It's like, I need a charger. Uh-huh. Walmart. That's, that's the, that's the Universal Mall right there. All right, all right. Yeah, that's that is a nice thing. Like you can get everything you want in there. Everything. You can get everything you want in there. So and and there's one in just about every city. Every, except <laughs> this is crazy. The only place I've never seen a Walmart is in the city of New York. In New York, New York. Wow, I never thought about that. So I've, I've never seen New one York, there either. I've never seen a Walmart. Yeah. There, yeah, Never that's a good, it. huh? Now, see, now I'm going to have to go and look and see if there's a Walmart yep. in, in New I, York I, City. I found a Target. Uh-huh. I never found a Walmart. Wow, that's interesting. There may, Maybe there isn't one. That's a good point. That's a good point. All right, let's do one more about it or doubt it. Buying clothes online. About it. About it. Okay, okay, okay. Are you one of these people who, like, will buy, like, you, you only, do you buy from places, any places, and just, like, you're good or like I know people who will buy from three different places and figure out which one is best for them and then send the others back. I'll just say this. The people that work for Amazon, uh-huh, they know me really well. <laughs> <laughs> you keeping people employed, huh? I Man, I'm keeping them employed. <laughs> That's all right. That is all right. See, I I will do that too. I will buy like, I got to try something out. Like, I'll try it. I'll buy one of something online. Right. See how I like it. See how it fits. And then if I like it, then I'm good because I'm a person. If I never have to walk into a store, a store again, I'd be good. I'd right. be good. I, I'm, like, crazy online stuff. So that's all right, man. That's all right. So yeah, so when you're not making music, what are you doing? Is What are you doing to have fun, to release, to let go, to enjoy yourself? Um, I love fitness. Okay. I love fitness. I love working out. I do like a lot of cardio. I've been working mm-hmm. with like a lot of uh, circuit style trainings. I okay. actually started, I just started boxing again. Oh, cool. Which is kind of like uh, in the last six months. So uh, I have a personal trainer, you know, uh, not doing any, you know, no actual contact with yeah, a person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But just mainly a lot of bag work, a lot of mitt work. Doing okay. that, it's like I love doing that stuff. I love anything that has to do with outdoors, whether yeah. it's riding a bike, whether it's going hiking, okay. just 
going for a walk. Yeah. You know, I like going outside and just experiencing nature. And I'm also a big time sports fan. So I like going to sports games. Okay. I love going to ba- uh, playing basketball. You know, I got a little game. Okay. Little oh, okay. Okay. You know, All right. I feel All like right. I, I feel like I should have been in the NBA, you know, but you know, um, I didn't want to embarrass nobody. So I just chose music. <laughs> so. <laughs> That's all right. So who are your favorite teams then? Who on the sports side? Who are your favorite teams? You know what? Right now it's uh it's the you know, I'm struggling with them. A okay. Little bit. Okay. You know, because I'm always gonna go to basketball because that's my that's yeah. where my my heartbeat is, but I'm still struggling. You know, I'm from old school, you know, I the nineties, you know, when the yeah. when the boys got they got deep down and dirty physically. Yeah, oh yeah. You know, and they get away with a whole lot of that stuff now. Yeah, they do. You know. But I am, but I am a fan of uh, the Lakers. Uh huh. Definitely a fan of the Lakers. Uh, I'm a LeBron fan. I know yeah. I'm probably gonna get some thumbs downs or whatever on that. One, but I'm a LeBron fan. I'm a LeBron fan too. Yeah, and I like Golden State. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I do like Golden State. I don't know why so many people hate on LeBron. I've never been able to figure that out. Right. Like I'm a, I'm a, you know, like. I'm a fan of LeBron. I I was I'm a, I'm in Milwaukee and I'm a Milwaukee Bucks fan and I've been a season ticket holder for a long long time, right? Okay. And I'll never forget being at a, at a game once when LeBron played for Cleveland. And LeBron scored like 22 points in like three and a half minutes of clock time between wow. the between the third and fourth quarter. And I'm sitting there and I'm watching the game and everybody in the arena knows exactly what he's going to do, but no one could stop him. And he's big. Yeah. Yeah. See, the thing is, he's big. His movements are predictable, but he's huge. Yeah, he is. He's huge. And he knows how to use his he knows how to use his weight and his body. Yeah. And amazingly graceful for a man of his size. Right. Like, that's one of the things that always, you know, always just like blew my mind when I watched him play. But I don't know why so many people hate on him. If you look at like. You know, all he's done is work hard. Like, he's never, like, you know, like he ain't never gotten into any trouble. He gives back all the time. I just never got how people hate on LeBron. I think, you know what, uh, and I mean, this is just my own two cents. I think a lot of things happen <laughs> with LeBron catching a lot of, um, catching a lot of haterade, as they call it. Yeah. Is when he made the comment he was the greatest player in the world. And they tried to connect him and Michael Jordan together. Yeah, but he was like, the greatest player in the world at that time, right? You know, that's what I would that, say. I mean, actually, he was. Now, yeah. And then, you know, it's always going to be a back and forth thing. Yeah, you know, yeah. what if he would have played during Mike's time? Yeah, yeah. How would he have been able to survive? Personally, I think he would have been fine. I think so too. I think so too. I think he'd been fine. I get a chance to sit and watch Giannis play all the time since I go to some games. He is absolutely amazing. And I think right now I would say he's the greatest player. But LeBron was that for many, 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 many years. And no one can take – and Jordan was that for many, many, many years. Oh, yeah. But you know what? I look at – if I really had to compare um, apples to apples and oranges to oranges, I actually see more of a quality player of Giannis and Jordan than I do LeBron and Uh Jordan. And the reason is because when Jordan went to the Bulls, they were pretty much at the bottom of the barrel. Yeah. He resurrected that club. Yep, yep. Giannis did the same thing with Milwaukee. No doubt about it. 
No yeah. doubt about it. Trust, yeah, trust me. I sat through, <laughs> I sat through a lot of not so good <laughs> seasons, man. You know? Oh my! <laughs> kept buying them season tickets That's and kept funny. going, but kept seeing a lot of. So yeah, so it's nice to see them. Even though, even though the Celtics hung an L on us the other night, it's nice to see them doing well yeah, as a team. Yeah. So, so yeah. So, so what is something your fans would be surprised to learn about you, Nathan? Something that they'd be surprised uh, to learn about me. Um, I have a degree in classical music. Okay, really? Yeah, I was actually, um, well, first off, I flunked out of college uh-huh. <laughs> three times. Three okay. times. Okay. Uh, I was told there was not a career in music. Huh. So I was convinced to try to go to school for business administration and yeah. It's business and business, business. And I just got bored. Yeah. So I, yeah. I literally flunked out of school three times. And the last time I went to school, my wife was like, listen, go to what you want to go for. Yeah. You know, we'll be okay. I decided to go for music. I got in school for music. And, I, you know, I be started conducting orchestra. Wow. And, um, yeah, so my actual degree plan, my, my, um, how how my professors had it set up, I was actually supposed to be a conductor of one of the orchestras in this country or somewhere no in the world. No kidding. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That's yeah. pretty cool. But you know what? Now I can see that. Because I'm looking, I'm remembering again, I, I, <laughs> I really remember that show that I saw you at last August. And now I can see that coming through. Because the way you act on stage, I can see that now. Mm-hmm. So that's that's pretty cool. That's a great story, man. Yeah. Also a great story too to to you know what? Like I tell young people all the time whenever I get a chance to talk to them, do what you love. Do what you love. Do what you love. Everything you will know? work itself out when you do yeah. that. You, you know, you got to Yes. I had a young man call me the other day asking me he's making a decision about where to go to college. And he asked me for advice on how to make that decision. And at the end of the day, that's basically what I said to him. It was like, look, you got to do what's going to make you happy at the end of the that's day. That's right. That's other, everything else will work itself out. So good for you, man. Good for you. That's, you. A, that's a great example. That's a great example. So do you remember the first concert you ever went to see? First concert that I ever went to see. Any genre? Any genre. Just any genre. Okay. Um, this is, this is pretty interesting. First concert I went to see was the Florida Mass Choir. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. Cool. I was, I had to be like maybe seven, seven years old. Uh-huh. No, actually, no, 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 no. This is crazy. The No, the first concert I went to see was a Clark Sisters concert. Okay. 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 My parents got totally mad at me. At that concert, huh. I was I had to be seven uh, during the offering intermission of the concert. Second half of the concert, uh-huh. my mom gave me a quarter, and I started playing with the quarter and put the quarter in my mouth and swallowed that quarter. Oh snap! <laughs> and they had to rush me to the hospital, and oh. she missed the whole second half of that concert. Oh she, man! My dad was so mad. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, well, it's a good. It's a good thing that you were okay. But yeah, I can. Oh, see. y'all was fine, but they was, boy, they was hot. Oh man, 
I can imagine. I can imagine. Yep. Do you get to do you get to go to see other artists perform much these days? Oh yeah, you know, um, it's funny because I literally uh, I was able to go and enjoy the um, the new edition tour. Okay. I went and it was it it was really weird, but it was great. That was probably one of the first concerts I actually sat in the audience and watched. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because usually I'm backstage or I'm on stage. Yeah, yeah. But I was actually front and center, you know, and I actually saw it from the from the audience point of view, and I enjoyed every second of it. Good for you. You know, I went and saw the Maxwell concert run. That was that was a great concert. Uh huh. You know, so yeah, you know, uh, and then too, you know, whenever any of the guys come to town. Or if I'm in, in a local area somewhere where someone is playing, I just recently saw uh, Marcus Miller. Oh, yeah. Marcus Miller and I saw uh, Stanley Clark. Both of them, I saw both of them at the Blue Note. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I try my best that. to support. That's great. When I can. That's yeah. great. Yeah, there's nothing like live music. There's nothing like yeah, it. Yeah, man. And so it's great to be able to get out. Well, let's take a listen to one more of your songs. This is the your number one hit, Smooth Groove.
right, everybody, that was Nathan Mitchell with his number one hit, Smooth Groove. And so, Nathan, I, there's a couple questions I love to ask each of our artists. One of them is, what are your three favorite albums of all time? Three favorite albums of all time. Um, one would be um, Mint Condition. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Welcome to the Mint Factory. Yeah. That is definitely one of my favorite albums. CB Wonder, Songs in the Key of Life. Yep. That's a that's a great choice. That is definitely, yeah, that's 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 my joint right there. Yeah. And, uh, of course, one of my favorite artists of all time, Fred Hammond, Purpose by Design album. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yep. Those are all really, really good choices. I, you know, I'm a big Mint Condition, well, a huge Stevie fan, but a big Mint Condition fan and love them as, love them live. They are so powerful live and such a great, I mean, like, like it's, it's one thing to listen to one of their albums or CDs, but it's a whole nother experience to hear them live because man, yes. as, a, as a band, there's something different, man. Correct. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. All right, one more for you. You're okay. having a dinner party, and you can invite invite any three people that you want at that dinner party. Who's coming to your dinner party, and what's on the menu? Ooh, who's coming to the dinner dinner party? Oh man, wow! No, that's that's a uh, <laughs> that's a that's a doozy. All right, um, Jimmy Jam. Oh yeah, Teddy Lewis. Jimmy Jam, Jam and Lewis, they gotta come. Yeah, got you. Okay, we'll let that just be one. So you still get two. Right, so Jam and Lewis is that's that's one. So we, and then two more. So you got Jam and Lewis. Um, man, that's 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 a heavy one there. <laughs> oh, uh, let's see. Um, Joe, the singer Joe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, Obama. Okay. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. That'd be a good time. You know? That would uh, be a menu, good time. Menu oh. would be a honey glazed salmon. Ooh. Like some uh macaroni and cheese. Uh-huh. You know, some uh some asparagus, maybe some greens or someone. You know, I like soul food. So there you, you know, go. throw some of those things on the side. I'm not a red meat eater. Yeah. But I, you know, pretty much all of the bad stuff with salmon. Yeah, salmon is the one thing that's gonna be healthy. I hear you. I hear you. That sounds like a pretty good menu, too, though, man. Yeah, man. That sounds like a pretty good menu. So what does the rest of 2022 hold for you, Nathan? Well, right now, um, I am in the process of finishing up uh, my new album that's going to be released through the label that I signed with last year, which I'm very excited about being part of, Trippin' okay. Rhythm Records. Yes, yes. So um, we're looking forward to the release of that album um, in the near future. Uh, that's one thing. Uh, we also have a series of shows uh, that are taking place and looking to do a couple more bookings uh, to kind of finish out the season. Um, but pretty much right now, it's it's really about building the brand. Good. You Good know, you. building the brand and really sharpening, sharpening what we have. Yeah, yeah. Well, I tell you what, man. You're off to a pretty good start with that, man, because you're, making, you so some, much. you're making some great moves, man. And we are honored that you could spend some time with us and chop it up a little bit on the show today, man. We look forward to seeing you out there on the road and to listening to more of your music. And we wish you nothing but continued success, man. Thank you so much. And, I, and I'm definitely looking forward to coming to Fresh 
Kosum. We're going to get you there, man. We're going to get you there. So sounds good, man. Thank you for taking time, Nathan. Thank you. That's our show for this week. Be sure to check out our website, freshcoastjazz.com, to sign up for our email list so you can stay up on what's going on with contemporary jazz. We'll see you next time on Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage. 